0: Once again, my name is Alex DeRosa, and I'm excited to be here with you today to complete our series called Passing the Baton. We kicked it off two weeks ago, and I will tell you that if you were not here over the last two weeks, I think it would benefit you to go and watch the messages online, either at newlifexn.org or on our app, because we shared some pivotal stuff about the future of our church family here. Two weeks ago, Pastor Chris kicked us off by talking about the passing of the baton that happened between a guy named Moses and a guy named Joshua. Last week, Pastor Chris and I were up here together, and we shared about the passing of the baton that happened between Barnabas and Paul, which inevitably went to more people as, as Paul went to Timothy and, and as Barnabas went to John Mark and they continued that process. And today we're talking about the passing of the baton between Jesus and the disciples. During this series, we're also talking about the passing baton that is happening here in New Life between Pastor Chris as lead pastor to myself in 2024. So we've been using this uh, baton as an illustration to help us understand what is going on. And I'll tell you, I didn't steal this from Pastor Chris's office because that's where it resides and it will for the next two years. I asked him if I could borrow it. I thought about taking it, but then I thought that's going to get me off on the wrong foot and... If you've ever watched Indiana Jones, there's that moment where he like takes the treasure and then like the boulder comes after him. I thought if he's going to booby trap anything in his office, it's going to be this. So I thought permission was the best way to go. And so over the next two years, we'll be passing the baton from Pastor Chris as, as lead pastor to myself. And that's part of what we're talking about. But we're not only focusing on us during this, we're talking about all of us and how God can use us to pass the baton to those around us in our lives. One of the coolest things about this analogy is the idea that if you look at a relay race between four people, the the second runner, the third runner, the fourth runner, they don't wait until the baton is given to them. They start running before the baton gets there. I never knew that. I've never run a relay race, I'll be honest with you. Pastor Chris had, and so he shared this a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was incredibly important, and then I watched the video on YouTube to, to kind of get the visual. But I think it's really interesting. So the second runner has to kind of be watching and watching and watching, and then when they know that they got to get up to full speed, they start running before the baton's in their hand, and then they trust that the pass-off is going to happen well. And it's cool because as I look at my life, I can notice that a few years ago, God kicked me into gear to start running for this purpose before I had any idea about it. You see, it was in 2017 or 2018, I wish I had journaled the exact date, but I remember feeling this intense pull from God that he was calling me to something, And this wasn't something that I had asked for. I was enjoying my job as youth pastor. I love youth ministry. It's the only reason that I was willing to commit to being here till 5 a.m. on Saturday morning. I love what God is doing, and I love being a part of a church that really emphasizes youth ministry. So I was enjoying what I was doing. However, I felt this intense pull in my heart from God to something. And I didn't know what it was. And so day after day, month after month, I kept asking, what are you trying to say? And I gave all these, is it this? No. Is it this? No. And so I waited and waited. And I share that with you because as we start to talk about Jesus and the disciples, I think the feeling that I had is a small semblance of what the disciples would have felt before they saw Jesus. You see, the Jewish people were waiting They were anticipating a Savior arriving on earth. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned and broke apart from the perfection of God, Jesus put into place the plan to send Jesus, to send a Savior to forgive us of our sins so that we could be reunited with God in a relationship with him. And so the Jewish people knew because they had heard from the prophets, God's people who spoke his word, that someday, somehow, a savior was going to come into this earth and save the whole nation, the whole world, really. And so they were waiting, but they didn't know who this was going to be. So as we meet the disciples, we know because the first four that we meet were Jewish men, so they would have known that this promise was happening. The other thing we know about these four Jewish men is that they were currently fishing for a profession which meant that they were not disciples or rabbis. And I know that sounds kind of easy, but but you have to understand that every young boy that was in the Jewish culture would have went to rabbi school. Now there's probably a more official name to it than rabbi school, but for us it was rabbi school. And they would go and they would try to memorize and and learn a bunch of stuff and then the best of the best would become disciples of a rabbi. So really, they were followers of a teacher of God's word. And so they would follow this rabbi and they would do everything that the rabbi would do. And then eventually, if they were the best of the best, they would become a rabbi themselves. So this was something that was held in high esteem. So all the Jewish boys of the day would try to become a rabbi. So we meet four guys in, in the book of Matthew that we're about to read. And all four of them, Are not rabbis. So that's something to to give us a little information about who these guys are as we go to read from Matthew chapter 4. It says this One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water. For they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. This is important to note why they were fishermen, because they weren't the best of the best. They weren't the cream of the crop in rabbi school. They did not pass all the tests. They were people that had to go back to their family and do their family business. But Jesus goes and he calls these four guys. And this is important because you think if if we were going to go pick the best disciples to follow us, we might go and pick the cream of the crop. But Jesus didn't, and he didn't. Because this is how God has always acted. Jesus was showing us that he is God in this moment because God has always chosen ordinary people to serve an extraordinary God. This is God's way. And it kind of makes sense, right? Like if you see someone using the perfect tools to get a job done, You look and you say, well, that makes sense. They're using the perfect tools to get the job done. But if someone uses mismatched or broken or unorthodox tools to get the job done, we kind of marvel at it. You might even watch it on MacGyver. We, we see people do that. We go, how possibly could you have completed that with the tools that you had? And this is what God was doing over and over through the history of us, of, of people. We look back at Moses and Joshua, and Moses, when we first meet him, he was a baby, and then he grew up, and then he saw some people fighting, and what he responded by doing was to kill one of the people that was fighting and then when he was called out for killing that person he ran away he ran away into the wilderness and eventually god called moses to go back and free his people from slavery and moses who what we know now is that he was a murderer and a coward he responded by saying i can't do that Like me, I'm not able to do that. And God said, I wanna use you to do my mighty, extraordinary work. And then God used Moses in an extraordinary way. We talked last week about Barnabas and Paul. And Paul, we first meet him as he was actively persecuting the church. Again, in human eyes, we would not have picked Paul. We would not have picked Moses to be gigantic leaders in God's kingdom. But God did, because he wants to show us how powerful he is. And so God does the same with us. He looks at us, and he knows us. He knows all the deficiencies we have. He knows the times that we fall, but he wants to use us to do his extraordinary purposes. tell you that because after months of praying and praying and praying, one day I heard from God. It was like um, a surprise attack almost on my soul. It was like, I don't know if you have a sibling, but I have a twin brother, and we got into a lot of fights growing up, and sometimes it was out of nowhere. You'd be like, oh, I'm having a great day. Boom, and you get hit by your brother, and then immediately you're in a fight. And that's what it felt like. I was praying, and all of a sudden, God goes, you're going to be the lead pastor of new life someday. And this was before I knew anything about Pastor Chris having an end date given to him by the lord i had no idea so my response and i wish i could honestly tell you that my response was like okay drop the nets as the disciples did and follow god immediately my response first was to laugh i laughed not the way you would make fun of someone but in the way that i responded by saying me like aren't i too ordinary to do something like this and i believe god was saying in that moment well that's exactly the purpose that he has for me. And so my my laughing caused God to respond to me by saying, I don't want you to talk about this with anyone until someone brings the job up to you. He said until then you have to only watch and see. And this was hard for me to hear. I like to talk. Uh, I mean, I think about part of my job is to talk. And I like to first internalize and then go and talk to everyone that I care about to get their feedback. And God was saying, none of that. You watch me and I will work and you'll know that it's me doing it. And the same thing can happen in our lives. You see, God wants to use you and me. And this is what I've learned through the last few years. And this is what is being told to us in God's Word. And it's our take home point the one point that this message is all about. And it's this God wants to use ordinary people for his extraordinary purpose, he wants to use you. For his mighty purpose here on this earth. And you might be thinking, me, not me, surely not me. I'm not qualified to do that. It doesn't matter because God is and he has all the power and he wants to use us as long as we're willing. If we want to know how we can be used by God for his extraordinary purposes, all we got to do is look at the disciples. What did Jesus say? He didn't say, go back to rabbi school and finish your degree, go back and learn some more things and then come back. He didn't say, go and make more money or get on a fancy suit and then come follow me. He said, stop what you're doing, release your life, and then follow me. It's as simple and as hard as that. You release your life and follow me. You see, if we want to be a disciple of Jesus and partner with what he's doing, we must release our old lives and follow him. It's like picturing our lives being in our hands and just being able to say, all right, you have them. And when we do that, when God calls us to be his disciple and to follow him, it's not always going to be a job change that he wants for us, but it's always going to be a sacrifice. But when we do that, when we release, we get to experience God's miracles. We get to experience his blessings. The first miracle, and I believe the greatest miracle that we get to experience happens almost right away. And that's when we get to have a relationship with God. When we release our life and say, all right, God, you're in control, immediately the Holy Spirit comes into us and we get to experience a relationship with the God of the universe. And how incredible is that? The God that can speak planets, could destroy planets, wants to have a relationship with us, even knowing all the stuff that we've been through, all the things that we've thought, all the actions that we've taken, God says, hey, I don't care. I love you. You're mine. And I want a relationship with you. I want to speak with you. I want to talk with you. I want to be with you and encourage you and empower you to do mighty things. And this is what happened with the disciples. So they, they released their lives, they followed him, and then they got to be with Jesus. They got to live with him and learn about him. And then they got to witness more and more miracles. Right after those four guys became disciples of Jesus, Jesus also called Matthew. And then this happens, and it's recorded in Mark chapter 1. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. And suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man. He ordered, at that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It is such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. You see, the disciples released their lives. They followed Jesus. They got to be in relationship with him, and then they got to see his works. His miracle is happening. And you got to think about it. Jesus is saying, I want to show these guys that I am who I say I am, that I have oneness with the Father. And so what does he do? He casts out an evil spirit by simply talking to it because of the power that Jesus has. And we can know this. When we follow God, we will witness, we'll see the impossible happen because that's what God's about. He's about doing the impossible because nothing is outside of his will and his power. I learned this again recently from Pastor Barry, our executive pastor. He was sharing a story about how when he was in Cambodia, he could sense, he discerned from the spirit that someone was possessed by a demon. And so they went in and they prayed in the name of Jesus. And this demon left this girl. And Pastor Barry shares that in that moment, it was like this girl was dead. or She was hit the ground completely dead. And then she woke up and she was a whole different person. And Pastor Barry was able to see this because of his relationship first with Jesus, but also because that's the power that Jesus has. And now Pastor Barry says that if anyone wants to try to poke intellectual holes in his belief and his faith and God, they just fail because he goes, I saw a girl possessed by a demon that changed completely by the power and the name of Jesus, and that's never going to be taken away from him. And I love that. I love learning stuff from Pastor Barry because I see how he's given his life over to Jesus and I've seen how God's transformed him as he grows closer and closer to God and as we're talking about passing the baton I have to to mention him because he's been essential he's been incredible during this process and I'm so excited that he's going to be alongside us over these next couple years and then alongside me even further from that because as we've met more and more over the last few months, over this last year. I've gotten to know him and love him as a brother. I've gotten to to experience his support and his wisdom and his care. And I'm so thankful that I can see Jesus actively at work in his life and i can learn and my faith is strengthened by interacting with pastor barry so i'm thankful that he's in this process helping us out using the gifts that god has given him and it's so cool to see something happen in god's word and then know it happens still today because we serve the same god so just as pastor barry is in his relationship with god and seeing miracles the disciples did the same thing and so after i heard the call from god saying that you're going to be lead pastor and then to watch I've been able to see God do incredible things here, right here in Saxonburg and throughout the ends of the earth. I've heard in both places prophecies being spoken and then them coming true. When I was in Vietnam and in Myanmar, I I saw people healed of their sickness, of their brokenness, of, of loss of hearing. I saw God do incredible things there and I've seen him do incredible things among our staff as he's He's grown us. I've seen God put things in my way, difficult things, and help me to grow. And I look back and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense why God was doing that. I got invited almost immediately after I heard from God. It maybe it was a couple months later, invited by Pastor Chris to go back to school to take my Master's of Divinity, and which I'll be finishing up here soon. And, and Pastor Chris asked me to take specifically the Master's of Divinity, which... I don't know if you know anything about it, but generally, people who want to be lead pastors take it and almost exclusively. And so whenever he asked me, I said, are you sure you want me to take that one? He said, yeah. And then recently, as in like last week when Pastor Chris and I were on our way to Cleveland for a Cavaliers game, which they won, and it was pretty sweet, uh, I asked Pastor Chris, hey, when you asked me years ago to go to Master Divinity, is it because you knew I was going to be a lead pastor someday? And he said, yeah, yeah, I did. And he said, I was sure that God was preparing you for being a lead pastor. And so even looking back, I could see God working. And then, and then in 2019, we were at a meeting with the lead team here, and Pastor Chris told us about the end date for him being our lead pastor And in that moment, things started to click. Because again, whenever I first heard it, I didn't know if it was gonna be a 10, 20 year down the road thing. And so whenever Pastor Chris said that, it started to make sense. And as that happened, I started to not only see God at work, but I got to know that I was working alongside God and doing his miracles and doing his ministry. And this is how Jesus moved the disciples. As they released and they followed him, they saw his miracles and then he partnered with them and and allowed them to help with these miracles being performed. In Luke chapter 9, it records this. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away from them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going, and they followed him. Can you imagine that? You're like, okay, I just need some space right now. And then crowds just come. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men here. And you got to imagine they had their families there. So we can picture maybe 15,000. Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So, so the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. I love this because God in the form of Jesus, he looks at his disciples who are bringing this need up and his response was to tell them, you feed them. Sure, Jesus could. He's God. He could bring food from heaven. He could look out the crowd and make everyone instantly full because he has the power. But instead, he says, you feed them. And then he gathers up the, the bread and the fish and he blesses them. And then he doesn't hand them out. He gives it to his disciples and they get to participate in his ministry by handing them out. Because this is how God works. He wants to work with us. He wants to give us the ability to serve in his kingdom. You see, Jesus wants to empower us, you and me, to do mighty works for his kingdom. Disciples were able to see this, experience it, and work alongside God. My favorite part of these last eight years is seeing this occur. And seeing this occur in our staff family and our church family at large, whether it's someone that is greeting at the door or serving in the galaxy or leading a small group at New Life Students or with adults or being on the worship team, or it's, it's leaders at New Life Students who have stepped up and shared their testimony from the stage, their story of how they met Jesus or anything else that the Holy Spirit spoken through them. Whenever that happens and we get to see People take those next steps. There's no greater joy in ministry because it's fulfilling the plan that Jesus has for us. Jesus wants us to work together with him. He wants to empower us to do his good works on this planet. In the summer of 2020, I was in the back of a car, Pastor Barry was driving, Pastor Chris was in the passenger seat, and we were headed on to a conference, and as we were going, Pastor Chris turned and looked, and he said very nonchalantly, a statement that would change my life forever. And he looked back and he said, would you ever think about being considered to be the next lead pastor at New Life? And it was so cool because in that moment, finally God was like, yes, you can talk about it. And this had been three years of me being like, I just want to tell somebody. And so I was really excited. I almost wanted to do like, that, the, the, like the word vomit thing where you just said whatever, it comes to your mind. But I, I took a deep breath. And I said, that might blow the, the opportunity. And I, I responded by saying, Yes, I would. And then I said two things, the first two things that the Holy Spirit prompted me. I said the first thing is why I want to do that is, is really because God has called me, and I believe that, that God has called me to take and look at the amazing framework that we have at New Life. And it is an amazing framework. I love this church, and there's so many good things happening. And I believe God's called me to take the, the good framework and to see what's next for us. And to take us there because God's always taken me in ministry and saying, all right, this is awesome. What's the next step? So I'm excited for that. And the second thing is I love working on teams. I love working with and through other people. And I know since the moment I met Pastor Chris that that's his heart because it's Jesus' heart as well. He wants to work with us, through us. He wants us to be a part of a team. And I'm excited about that of working alongside you And that's why I really like this analogy of passing the baton. Because if you look at it, a four-person relay race, if the second runner does awesome and the first, third, and fourth runner do terrible, the team still loses. They either win together or they don't win at all. So when the team wins, they win together. The first runner, if he leaves the baton back at the beginning, the second runner is not going to be able to get it and they'll lose. There's no participation trophies for the last runner who does really well, even if the team loses. And I look at New Life and I believe we are the same way. We win together. We don't win at all. We win together, united with Jesus. And over the last few years I've been able to see this, but I've been able to talk with Pastor Chris and learn about the beginnings of new life, and I've seen this to be true. New life succeeded yesterday and succeeds today and will succeed tomorrow when we're united under the truth and love of Jesus. That's the core of why we've seen God move in miraculous ways and why we will continue because we're united in the truth and the love of Jesus. And as we go forward, we're going to continue doing that. And I believe we're going to continue seeing the impossible become possible because that's who our God is. And so that's what Jesus was telling his disciples. And so he gets them ready. They're they're feeding the the 5,000, really, maybe 15,000. And then he sends them out to do more work. In Mark chapter 6, it says, Then Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people. And he called the twelve disciples together and began sending them out, two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick. No food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. So we see this continued theme of release. This idea of releasing their lives. Jesus actually says, don't take anything with you. Trust in me. And so as they go out, they get to see these miracles happening. But did you catch it? They didn't go out alone. They went out two by two. God didn't send them out alone because we weren't created to do this life alone. We were created to do this life together in community alongside one another. And this is so cool and it's so important to the lifeblood of new life. Over this last year, I've gotten to experience more and more alongside Pastor Chris and Pastor Barry. And through that time, I've gotten to learn so much. But one of the biggest things I've learned by watching Pastor Chris is his ability to always share. To share opportunities, to share the ministry, to share his words from God with other people. And I'm so thankful that I've been able to share that alongside him. I'm thankful that we get to work alongside each other throughout this process and then beyond. I'm thankful that Pastor Chris, after he's done being lead pastor, he's not done being a part of new life. Because professionally, I think that's great for our corporation. But I think personally, it's great for our friendship. Because I love Pastor Chris. And I love being able to get to know him. And and over this last year has been great. And I'm excited for the next few years as we continue doing work together. Because we were designed as people to work alongside one another. And that's how the family of God works best. The body of God works best, and this is what Jesus was teaching us, when not only we work with each other, but when we serve one another. Jesus, before he was betrayed and beaten and hung on a cross, he had one night remaining. And the night where he was betrayed, he kicked it off by serving Now, you and I might know that if this was coming, we might throw like a party the last time, but Jesus instead decided to serve his disciples in a radical way. This is what's recorded in John chapter 13. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. I think that that first part is so important, where Jesus knew the Father had given him authority, and then it says, so he got up from the table. He knew the authority, so he went and served. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So Jesus, in his last moments, decided to assume the position of the lowest of low servants. You see, no one else in a household would wash feet because you got to understand that the disciples and the people of that time would wear sandals and they'd walk on dirt roads. This wasn't like the rinsing off of just like a recently pedicured foot. This was nasty. Like this was the grime on some feet that Jesus went down. And there's no way that you wash feet from an honorable position. It's not like someone else kind of leans back and puts their feet up and, and you feel honor. It's an atmosphere of servanthood. And that's what Jesus was sharing. He said, I'm not turned away by the grime on your feet or the grime on your soul. So much so that after he serves in this way, he serves in even more of a difficult way by dying on the cross. By assuming the position of, of a criminal, of by someone that has done something wrong, by being hung on a cross, taking on the weight of the sin of you and me. So that when he was resurrected, he defeated the bond that sin and death has on us. He did that so we would be in a relationship with him. It wasn't self-serving. It completely serves us. His death and resurrection was so that the God who has all the power could go into a relationship with us. And this is how he's taught us. Because at the end of him washing the disciples' feet, he says, you now go and do likewise. We are called to serve one another. That is how we work most efficiently for God's kingdom when we serve. As I look at my role, my responsibility as lead pastor going forward in 2024, but really right now as well, my first role is to serve Jesus in every way. Even when it's challenging or it doesn't line up with what I think because what he thinks is much better, his ways are above my ways, his thoughts are above my thoughts, so to serve Jesus. And the second thing, the most important thing after serving Jesus is to serve you. That's what God has called all of us to do, to serve one another, whether it's washing feet or something better or something worse. God has called us to serve, and as we do that collectively, we show others who Jesus was. And we can only do that because the power of Jesus dwells in us when we trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We can only do that because God has sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. And so Jesus, after he resurrected from the dead, went to his disciples, and he told them to go out and make disciples of all nations. And he told them about the Holy Spirit. So this is the last part of God's word that we're going to be reading today. Before God, before Jesus went up to be with his father, he said this. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And this is what happened. So the disciples have already released their lives. They've followed Jesus. They've entered into a relationship with Jesus. They've seen his miracles. They've partnered with him in miracles. They've learned how to serve one another. And then the Holy Spirit comes and gives them power, resurrection power from God. And the church begins. And miracles happen. And the word of God continues to spread. And honestly, the word of God continues to spread for this very reason as well. Because people still, to this day, release their lives follow God, and are filled with the Holy Spirit to do mighty works through this world and to the ends of the earth. It's so cool to think about this. We get to partner with God in his eternal movement because of Jesus' death and resurrection. His movement throughout this earth To bring people to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. To free people from the chains of sin and death. That's what God is about. And that's what he wants the church to be about. And going forward, as new life succeeds in the future, it's not only going to be because of me or the rest of our incredible staff. And our staff is incredible. It's not only going to be because of us. It's going to be because of the whole church family. Us as a, a whole family. And when we are together we can understand that we are the church. You and I, we're part of the family of God. And when we understand that and we take up that mantle of being the church together with that power of the Holy Spirit, that's when the movement, the radical movement of Jesus and his love is gonna change the lives of our community and those that we love and ultimately the world. And we get to do that together and we get to do that with the power And so if you want to be about that work, what we got to do is look at the disciples and emulate how they act. And we could do that through this next step, which says, I'll release my life and follow Jesus wherever he calls me. I'll release my life and follow Jesus wherever he calls me. I get it. That's not an easy thing. Always releasing involves some kind of sacrifice, but it is so worth it because when we do that, we get to experience the true goodness of God in that relationship with him and then everything else flows from that and it flows from that together. So if you're in here right now and you're saying, I want to do that, I want to release my life and follow Jesus, but I've never, done, I've never trusted him as Lord and Savior. How do I do that? Well, here at New Life, we say it's as simple as A, B, C. We first, we start by admitting what we've already been talking about, that there's some grime on our souls that we sin and that we fall short of God's perfection we need a savior, we need Jesus. And B, we believe, we believe that God is a one sure God and Jesus is the son of God who came and died and rose again for you and for me. And C, we confess, we confess Jesus as our savior, we confess our sins to him and we commit to him. We give our lives over to him as Lord, which means owner, really, you, you take it all and a savior, rescuer from sin and death. When we do that, we are committing to following him. The Holy Spirit fills us up and we get to be a part of his work, his movement, his power throughout this earth. Jesus is calling all of us to come and follow him. But the question is whether or not we choose to. If you would like to follow Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner And I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that he came to this earth and that he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that he rose on the third day, just like he said that he would. And I confess, I confess that I need a savior. And I confess that Jesus is my savior. And I commit to following him by the power of the Holy Spirit today and every day of my life. And I will follow you, Jesus everywhere. And I love you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.